Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hi there, folks. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is 233. We've got a great panel, I might say. Got some favourites and we've got some new people joining us or a new guest. Um, I think it's we've got some great news stories. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves and then we're going to go straight into the news section, which I know from the feedback you all really like. Um, Larry, would you like to introduce yourself quickly? Um, sure, and I probably should have warned you. Jonathan, that I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo. I'm a, a, a dual career professional with an event organizing habit. I, um, I make my living as a content strategist, but I also do massage therapy. And, but those are just to pay the bills so that I can do community event organizing. I, I'm putting together WordCamp Seattle this year. I do some other stuff uh, here in Seattle. If you've ever heard of Ignite, the Ignite talk format, uh, we put together Ignite Seattle. I'm on that organizing team. And uh, I just kind of live to bring people together and share interesting ideas it sounds lovely absolutely lovely um lee would you like to introduce yourself hello i'm lee i'm the host of the wp innovator podcast uh, which is a podcast for designers design agencies and when i'm not doing that i run an agency called angle crown and we make wordpress themes that have yeah. been designed by designers that's us how great do you offer a massage as well lee? um i utterly hate massaging people because i'm way too lazy (laughs) although i prefer to be massaged so i've i've noted down larry's services and uh i'll uh, i'll be in touch okay um my former co-host and uh, great guy in general um john would you like to introduce yourself sure thing my name is john Locke. my business is lockdown design and what i do is i provide seo consultation for established businesses of the mid-size variety Sounds great to me. Uh, um, Sandy, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch, and uh, my business is WP Fangirl. I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup, and I write a lot of tutorials about using the events calendar. Sounds great. And my um, new co-host, and just a great person in, in general, Kim, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm a business and technology trainer, including WordPress topics fo- focused on online courses and membership platforms. And I'm your main host, Jonathan Denwood. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a WordPress maintenance support company, your trusted partner. So let's get on with it. Let's, um, let's go on to um, Larry. Um, like you say, you're the main organizer of um, Word Camp Seattle. It looks like it's going to be a um, that's in November, isn't it? Was it the um, what's what's the actual dates? It's coming up uh, five weeks from tomorrow, November fourth and fifth. And and I'm actually the co-organizer. There's two of us co-leading a team of, I think we're up to seventeen people on the organizing team now. And you got uh, some Norwegian guy that's going to be one of your um, speakers, isn't he? That's um, true. Oh, what's yeah, this guy? What's his name? Oh, he's, he's going to talk about this totally benign, bland topic, uh, Gutenberg. Uh, Morton Rand Hendrickson is going to talk about the Gutenberg editor. I don't know. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. That should be a lot. 
that should be a lot of fun. We're also really like, we've got a, a, a our uh, speaker team has just killed it this year. Um, we have, uh, well, Andrea Middleton is gonna be our keynote on Saturday talking about community. So we'll kick it off uh, with, uh, you know, a community focus. Uh, we also have, um, I don't know if you guys know Matt Perry. He's an automatician. He's on the VIP team. He's here in Seattle. And anyhow, he connected us with a bunch of enterprise people. So we're going to have an enterprise panel that will be um, uh, moderated by Scott Birkin, who also lives here. So we're really lucky in Seattle. We've got a ton of talent and a ton of uh, really interesting folks. So those are some highlights. And, and Matt is also going to talk about the REST API. It's sort of a primer for the, um, uh, you know, because that's just such a hot topic. And uh People are not, I don't know, there's a, a wide range of uh, knowledge, uh, but a lot of um, need for learning. So anyhow, so we're excited to see what Matt has to say about the REST API. Um, we've also got, uh, it's a big conference. We'll have four rooms going. Uh, three will be doing sessions all weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. And then on uh, all day Saturday, one track will have uh, workshops. We'll do an intro workshop and a JavaScript workshop. And then on Sunday, we'll have the contributor track in that room all day, Sunday. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Oh, you're really tempting me, but... Um, I, I'm impressed, yeah. I'm tempted. Uh, Seattle, Seattle is just that bit too far away for me yeah. to easily drive there, so... Oh, yeah. Well, we do have nice weather in November, so there's that. So, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think you've given a really fantastic outline, Larry. And yeah. um, like I say, if you can go, I think it'd be a fun weekend in a fun city to say the least. It should be great. Yeah, we have a lot of people traveling, but a lot of local talent too. I want to stress that, that there's, uh, we're, we're able to draw some, you know, some of the, uh, the international talent, but we tried, we didn't quite hit the, um, WordCamp uh, Central would like us to be at 80% local speakers. I think we're more like 70, but yeah. um, that's okay. Yeah. But uh, we also have a blind, yeah, and we have a blind vetting process. So it's hard to, it's, it's an interesting process. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know a lot of word counts are going to that process, uh, which I think is a great idea, actually. Um, well, thanks for that, Larry. And like I say, folks, it'd be in the show notes, and if you can go, I would definitely... It sounds a, a great weekend. I really enjoyed the Sacramento WordCamp a couple of weeks ago. It was a blast. Yes, uh, and, and WordCamp Los Angeles is happening this weekend. And, and you know, I went to WordCamp Los Angeles last year, and, and Kim did too, and it's a, it's a great event. There was just no way I could prepare two talks no. for, for, for two WordCamps two weeks apart. No, I was tempted, but I just couldn't. Um, I, I'm going to might try and go to the October Las Vegas, and I am tempted with Seattle, we just have to see. I am tempted. Yeah, come on over. Hey, yeah. one other thing. I, I went to WordCamp Portland uh, last weekend, and uh, great conference, really good, great after party, good good sessions. But the main discovery there was uh, somebody has forked Cards Against Humanity, and I don't know if you know about the WordPress Against Humanity uh, deck. You know, I think I heard about that once, and then you know, forgot yeah. it. I've I've never actually played Cards Against Humanity. Oh, I, I have no uh, idea what you're talking about, Larry, but please rapidly involve us. What's this about? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so maybe that's a U.S. thing. So Cards Against Humanity is just, have you ever played that kid's game, Apples to Apples? It's, nope. So any, anyhow, it's a, oh God, so this is, I really have to go. Anyhow, I describe it as Apples to Apples for Demented Adults is uh, how I describe Cards Against Humanity, but it's, it's a, it's a really interesting project and it kind of in, is in our world in the sense that it's an open, it started as an open source project by a group of people in Chicago who just wanted to create a, a fun, crazy new card game. 
And it's grown into this huge commercial thing that makes millions and zillions of dollars. And uh, it's, it's an interesting business model. To, if you just Google Cards Against Humanity, you can find tons of news stories about their, uh, their story. But it's, uh, but it's open source. You can just go to GitHub and, um, and uh, you know, find that uh, WordPress fork or create. I'm already, we don't have a lot of spare time on our team, but I would love to try to get a Seattle <laughs> fork of that together. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens. There you go. I, I, I had no idea what the hell you were talking about, Larry. And I, I, actually, live in America. I actually live in America, actually, and I had no idea. But there we go. I'm a sheltered individual. And I, so let's go on to the first couple of stories that are kind of linked. Um, Matt Malway kind of um, published um, his reaction to the news from Facebook um, that um, basically they were changing their um, use, terms of use when it comes to React. Um, and then in the piece that he wrote on his blog, he was discussing... Um, that it might be an idea that um, developers could be um, use whatever library they wanted, and Gutenberg, Gutenberg, whatever the hell it's called, um, could Gutenberg, uh, yeah, um, could um, um, would have a layer that would allow you to do that. But then there was a great um, article on Yoast um, from Omer Rice. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, that kind of really um, said that, no, nah, that wouldn't really fly. That's, that's not a great idea, and it's impractical. So I'm just going to open it out to the panel. Anybody who would like to start about these two pieces and their reaction to the news around React? Well, I certainly um, understand, that, <clears throat> understand being cautious about React uh, after this because Facebook has changed licenses before, and it would... Um, kind of suck if they, you know, decided to commit to it and then, you know, 10 years later, oh, well, you know, we wanted to put that patent clause back in. And, uh, and so, you know, the theory of, of setting up something that is framework agnostic uh, is very appealing to me. Um, but, you know, I don't do a lot of work in, in JavaScript or understand frameworks that well. And <clears throat> the uh, post about you know why that's you know easier said than done and and may might really limit um, extensibility or just might turn out to be you know it's like well you may say we want to set it up so everyone can use it but whichever one that is you know you're actually using to build this is going to be the one that becomes dominant you know whether that's an official choice or or not and you know those arguments make sense to me i i don't think i can judge them from a technical standpoint but it does seem like it's it's not going to be quite as easy to uh, to set things up in a way where it really won't matter what what you use uh, anybody else like to pass any comment? Well, I, I agree with that. I mean, re <clears throat> ideally, you, you stick with one thing, and then everybody is developing in the same way. We can set up a standard. People can follow um, other people's articles. Can you imagine if there was several different frameworks, and uh, especially with people who are still trying to teach themselves WordPress and how to, pl uh, to create plugins, etc. cetera, uh, they're trying to lay out a new UI, and they're not 100% sure. Uh, I mean, it looks like rocket science, half of these... Um, 
if you're a new developer and you look at some of these frameworks, it really does feel like rocket science. And then if you're copying and pasting snippets of code and that, you might even be copying and pasting the complete wrong snippet. So it'd be great if there would be um, people just sticking with the one thing. I'm actually one of those people, though, that actually worries about going in any of those directions. I, I kind of... I, I mean, Tiny MCE... Uh, itself is, is, I guess, a third-party framework, and it's kind of stuck around. So this probably uh, this probably negates what I'm about to say. But I'm one of those people who really tries to avoid using any frameworks in anything that I'm doing, if I can possibly, because I don't know whether that particular, uh, you know, I don't know what direction it's going to go in in a few years' time, if that makes sense. I don't even know if the community is going to leave it behind, and then we're going to have to rewrite everything. So I, I kind of get a bit worried about I like the. It's weird. I like the idea of being able to do either or, but then I think, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna create um, something that works with multiple different frameworks, why don't we just establish our own? We've got a huge community of developers. Can't we just establish our own, not use something else that could go in any direction, or not try and create a monster that supports multiple? I don't know. There you go. Thinking out loud. So, no, it's a great point, but. In, uh, before that last point, I was thinking, well, isn't WordPress a framework, really? But you kind of um, answered it with your last sentence, because it is, in a way, WordPress is a framework, isn't it? So why don't it have its own JavaScript library framework? It, in a it way? would be nice if, if it did. Um, <laughs> but maybe that the problem with that yeah, is... I, I think that the uh, core developers might have enough to do already. That, that yeah, might be one, one reason that... What, what, did you, what did you think, John? Okay, so yeah, I was on mute, sorry. Uh, no, I definitely think that this was the right decision. I think um, it's just too precarious to uh, have this open source GPL license framework that you're building and then have some other uh, framework that's you know got a different license rolled into it. And even though temporarily or at least for now, like Facebook has relicensed a lot of their um, frameworks that they've built. I think the best thing to do is use uh, components in, in WordPress that are going to be best for the project and maybe not necessarily, you know, and I, I think a lot of the React decision just initially had to do with that's what people who are core contributors uh, were using. And so, <clears throat> but that might not be the best thing for the project. So I, I think that, you know, all things work out for the best in the end. So that's what's going on. We hope so, don't we, John? We surely do. But you know what? It's not the end of the world, you know? No, it's yeah. a, it, it, it is true. Um, you can understand why React. I, I think that you're spot on why React was chosen. And for very understandable, Standable reasons and what's happened is understandable, isn't it? Um, Kim, have you got any views about this at all? I think everybody covered them. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. All sounds good to me. No, was such yeah. being last. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> think of something new. <laughs> and our guest, I don't want to forget our guest, Larry. Have you got anything, any thoughts about this at all? Um, I, I don't. I, my thoughts about her more about Gutenberg just from a content strategy perspective about uh, keeping, uh, you know, kind of adhering to good practices about um, portability of content and things like that. So it's, it's at a different level, I think, than this discussion. Yeah. yeah for this particular news story, but uh, we must come back and um, we we'll probably want to have our round table, round 
table topics will be about that sounds a, a great suggestion for the ma a main topic so um we've got another really big story an interesting story uh, i feel um and it's where did the plugin go and this is about uh sire capture is that how you pronounce it uh, um, that uh, yeah the <coughs> couple of yeah i think it's si capture at least i always just said it as a um, but yeah, that you know the display widgets plugin. The uh, uh, can you give a brief outline what this is about first, Sally? Uh, sure. What's happened is um, somebody's been going around uh, buying plugins that were you know fairly popular, had a lot of installs, been around a long time, uh, and then injecting uh, spam and malicious code and stuff into to them. So all of a sudden, bang. Uh, we've got all these, uh, you know, all, all these infected websites, and uh, it appears to have. It's good, it's good news for me, isn't it, Sally? Uh, yeah, well, it, you, you've you've probably been, you know, uh, in employ, but it, you know, it means that for people who were, you know, relying on these plugins, they suddenly have to do uh, something new, and it kind of points out a, a channel of vulnerability that it's it's become harder to get into websites by other means. And so uh, this has been a way uh, to get malicious code into, into WordPress sites. And I imagine by now that there's some awareness generated a, a, about it. Um, people are going to perhaps be a little suspicious if somebody comes along and offers to pay them for their free WordPress plugin, uh, because, you know, that could be uh, what it what it is that they want to do with it yeah well what intrigued me about the actual from the previous developer who ha who has got nothing to do with this apart from sending his parking um and it must be a little bit a nightmare having your name linked in any shape away what's happened it's got nothing to do with him which is mike shareless is it shareless um um, is that he points out the person that bought the isn't a fantastic developer anyway because he did do a very good job, <laughs> which is a blessing in a way, you know, which um, I found interesting. What What's your thoughts about this, Lee? Um, it just highlights how kind of vulnerable we all are in general um, without without being able to test and have a look at what's in each one of these plugins. We all just go ahead and... Oh, there's two things. We go ahead and install any plugin sometimes as the stressed um, WordPress developer or as the stressed agency owner. You are going to see a plugin. It's going to look like it does everything you need it to do. And you're under a lot of pressure to get a site live. So you're very likely just going to go grab a plugin that essentially looks like it does what the, it, it's meant to do. It fills the gap. And you are actually vulnerable because you don't know what's under the hood without checking everything. Uh, and that kind of just highlights to me how... How kind of scary that is if if you're building a website in a rush there seems i feel like i feel like there is a space and i don't know if this already exists but i feel like there is a space for um for someone to kind of hold uh, hold a lot of these plugins to account someone to check that you know check these plugins out every new update and to do due diligence and maybe that could become a paid service where um developers could subscribe to this and there could be a whitelist of of plugins available and every new update is is scanned you know by real people they check out the changes make sure there's nothing 
weird or or new going on that looks dodgy like is clearly going on here so if well, anyone well but lee there is I'm well i know so... security do all that and they've got well, there is it's but... called wp tonic i just couldn't resist right. it lee i apologize well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, <laughs> do, do you do that Sort of well, we 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 you'd be surprised when we have a new client. You'd be amazed the amount of plugins that we remove that we find that they're at, not the not not the ones that are not active. Um, the ones that are even active when we really do audit and we delve in a bit and we've got the client settled down. We on average we remove over fifty percent of the plugins that are active on the site because they're actually not doing nothing, Lee. True, but I'm talking about every new iteration and update. So having yeah. some sort of service, because you're looking here at a, at a tiny increment. So you've got 3.00. He adds, he adds to one tiny step increment of yeah. 3.01, some spam code. So it would be awesome to have, uh, you know, to have some sort of service that can green light updates yeah. before you go ahead and update your plugin. Um, and that might be something that corporates would be willing to pay for because it just does highlight how vulnerable we are uh, either to viruses, you know, some could create an exciting sounding plugin and they've got a back uh, you know back door straight into your website and, I, and and even if the community spot it within five days five days is plenty of time to do damage so it it kind of scares me reading this a lot i never never really considered it because i always assume everyone's beautiful and nice i know this was just spam rather than you know something allowing someone to get into the website but this this kind of scares me yeah. I'm, I'm sure the plugin review team is is going into convulsions because you know the tricky thing about this is you know they they vet all the plugins before they put them in the repository mm -hmm. but I don't think they've got a process for you know double checking every single uh, small incremental update and it's it's not a large team I mean it's only a couple of people reviewing mm. most of these and uh, I I don't know you know it's sort of like well so you know, by buying an existing plugin, you, you get around uh, that first security hurdle. But now, clearly, they're going to have to put some kind of additional security hurdle in because, you know, all these years we've been telling people, you know, you, you can use plugins in the repository because they've been vetted. Well, you know, maybe not at every step. I'm yeah. going to put... Oh, go on, go on uh, Kim. Well, for mine, I, I love your idea of the service, Lee, because for me, you know, considering that my, my audience are not developers like you guys and like we are, they are the do-it-yourselfers, and they're already having issues trying to pick which plugins. So for me, this is kind of extra scary that, that they're looking at this and thinking an update in the repository was safe and then to find out it was a spam issue. Yeah, but I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this to... Um john um and see if john wants to comment on what i'm just about to say i think it's a broader subject that's been a kind of theme um for the past couple months on wp tonic in general on the panel shows this whole idea that wordpress is free i, I really i really strongly advise people that if they've got a website that's getting reasonable traffic traffic or they're making money from it the whole idea of having a load of free plugins on your site i'm not i'm not too keen on it anyway what do you feel feel about all this john well i think you're reading my mind jonathan because uh it's definitely what occurs to me and what i see sometimes with uh you know people that are trying to start a business around plugins 
and they're using the repo. Why do you need to sell your plugin in the first place? Well, obviously you're burned out from trying to keep it up and you're not earning any money. You're doing this volunteer work and you, or you are, you know, trying to do some freemium model and it's not, you know, getting to the level that you want. We tend to think of um, some of the big plugins in our space, like uh, Gravity Forms or EDD or uh, Beaver Builder. These are all have like, um, they're either premium plugins or they have premium upgrades. And recently, like all of these, like up their prices too. And it's like you just said, there is no such thing as free. People have to take time to upkeep these. And when they are just tired of doing that, they're either abandoned and in the repo or somebody else, you know, offers to pay for them. And I think that's a problem. And I think it's something that's deeper than just the plugins. It's something uh, that's woven into the ecosystem. And you're going to see more and more people addressing this over the next year. Um, there, there needs to be sustainability because I see, I run into way too many sites out in the wild where, um, you know, agencies even are like, you know, throwing in plugins to make something work because they don't understand that, oh, this plugin hasn't been updated in three years is bad. So that is bad. <laughs> it really is gruesome when you come across that, isn't it? <coughs> that, that is gruesome. Um, yeah. I, I, what, what do you think, Sally? Because um, I, I think it really touches some bigger issues, doesn't it? Well, I, I think that uh, that question of free, it, it is, it is tricky. I mean, the, you know, the, the freemium model works very well uh, for, for some people because you expose a plugin to a, a large audience, but um, you know, support is a big enough problem when people pay for your product. Uh, and, and never mind when they're, when they're getting it free. And, and yeah, some people, you know, they create a plugin because it's something they needed. They put it in the repo and they like, you know, graduate from school and get a real job and whatnot. And they're not, you know, paying attention to it anymore. And uh, it, you know, not everybody is going to want to uh, maintain that uh, forever. And I think it is reasonable you know, to expect people who are using a website for their business uh, to be willing to pay for things. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to affect the, you know, the plugin repo, which is also there for the people who are building hobbyist sites and, you know, may not be in a position to invest a lot of, uh, a lot of money in it. And, uh, so uh, it's like, yes, on the one hand, if you want to protect your business, you will probably be uh, safer uh, if you, you know, if you buy premium plugins that you know are going to be uh, supported and keep all your licenses up to date. Uh, but I don't think that means that the WordPress plugin repo should go away. And therefore, oh, no, I wasn't they, sure. I wasn't right. Sure. And therefore, you know, how are they going to handle it? Because mostly, you know, one of the things that we've told people to check about whether they're, you know, a plugin is secure is, has it been updated recently? And yet the problem with, with these, you know, spam plugins is precisely that they were updated recently. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I was going to put this to Lee and it's kind of linked, but you just pointed out another aspect, Sally, but I was going to say to Lee, you know, if a plugin has been updated for almost two years, should it even be the repo? Should it just be removed? 
if it has to be updated in six months or something. Well, in six months, it will still be compatible, uh, more than likely, because WordPress are really good with the backwards compatibility, although with Gutenberg on the horizon, maybe that's all going to change. Who knows? Um, But, uh, you know, maybe after two years, it it is questionable. I've seen... um, I've seen... um, uh, plugins on there that will say like compatible with version 3.1.2 or something ridiculous like that must be up to so you know it probably does not work anymore and nobody in their right mind should have that version active wordpress does not even roll out as far as i'm aware any patches for anything that old i mean they, the recent patch they rolled back to 4.7.2 i think uh, because there was a, a, a there was an issue on the prepare statement, so they so they rolled it back that far, but they certainly wouldn't roll anything back as far as three point one if that prepare statement issue was on that. I'm not aware that they would go far that far back. Therefore, there would never be, you know, like a security update or anything like that. So if if there is a plugin re- that ridiculously old, I do question why why it is in the repository and feel it, that. If anything, it could at least be in an archive section and labeled as such um, so that people can put, understand the difference. They do put difference. labels on them. If, if, if something yeah. hasn't they? been updated since whatever, yeah, there will be a big yes. banner across the top that says, this plugin has not <coughs> been updated for at least two years, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and you know, they had talked about taking them out, and I'm not sure why they decided not to simply remove them. Perhaps that is just a, a labor shortage issue. Uh, but uh, at least they, you know, they do put warnings on them, but uh, I, that may only be if you are searching, and I'm not sure they'll, they'll come up if you're searching like from your WordPress dashboard versus actually going to, uh, mm. uh, to WordPress.org. Uh, but, you know, people ignore warnings or, you know, they installed them back when WordPress was on version 3.1 and they've ignored the WordPress site and not done any updating and, it was um it's kind of fascinating i i I just on Wednesday I interviewed um two agency owners that are in the Drupal world, and they were discussing you know the diff you know the similarities and the difference between the Drupal world and the WordPress world and about um almost all the component i think the term they use is components in the Drupal world which are in the WordPress kind of plugins and how they're all almost all free um but um there is no real support because the people that are the age the person that's building the drupal site is supposed to be the support uh be able to take that code look at it develop it and then support it and that's um it it was an interesting discussion about how different open projects approach things in very different ways. Um, well, they, Don, go on, Nate. This kind of like starts to make you think of the cost of free, doesn't it? As well, because I, I remember back in the day getting super excited about um, you know uh, WordPress being free, etc. But over the years and years and years, no matter who I've developed a website for, they're going to have to keep paying every year or a few years for compatibility updates and changes, et cetera, uh, to keep things running smoothly because of WordPress's ongoing cycle of updates and changes. Um, so uh, uh, I've stopped telling people how much a website's going to cost. Um, I warn them, obviously, how much a website's going to cost initially, but 
from now on, you know, for the last three years, I've been educating them that it will never stop costing them as long as they are on uh, some form of open source platform if they want to keep ahead of the curve. If they're going to build something from scratch that never needs touching after that, then probably don't go WordPress or even a, any open source tool because uh, you're going to have to keep maintaining everything. Yeah, well, the, 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 you know, the proprietary commercial stuff makes you pay for updates and ongoing whatever also. But, you know, this is the web. So whatever you build it in, even if you build it in, in you know, straight HTML, you might not have to worry quite so much about, you know, security vulnerabilities and things. But eventually you are going to need to change it. You know, and and uh, either update your your technology or update your content or update. So, you know, it's it's an ongoing uh, it's an ongoing cost. Yeah, yeah. you go on. Sorry. Well, I was I'm curious about to what um, Lee was saying about not you know the free issue and what Sally's saying about uh, earlier. She mentioned something about the overworked uh, plugin repo team, and I'm just wondering. I a couple things about that. Just like how exposed is the data in the repo? Like. Could a commercial entity say, hey, I'll, you know, uh, we'll offer a, a premium service that'll vet plugins for you. And you can trust the plugins in here because here's our transparent process for evaluating them. And yeah, it's going to cost you six bucks a month or, you know, whatever it is. Um, has any, does, has that ever happened? I wonder. Is that... I, I think anybody could, could connect to the, uh, you know, connect to the repo and, and have the, the code available. But then the thing is, you know, if, if uh, and and provide information back, but I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly how how that would work. I'm I'm I imagine that if somebody wanted to uh, wanted to do it, they could you know propose it and and discuss it with the team. Um, yeah, it just yeah. seems like something because one of the things that came up when um, like when the repo relaunched their uh, their UI early what a year six or eight months ago whenever that was and it just kind of came up how overworked they are and I'm just so I'm just wondering if like if it's something that might not ever be in the scope of the the automaticians and the other core people on the repo team that if some commercial I, I don't know I'm just speculating that some commercial entity might want to say hey we can you know give you more assurances that your plugins and and themes are safe. It's well, a very it, interesting idea. It is, um, but it's also and um, it's also linked to the whole um, way. It, it's it's so linked to other previous conversations. It's such interesting the way that WordPress was um, set up. WordPress org, the foundation, the relationship with automatic. You're 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 dealing with a number of issues. Um, which well, yeah. I mean, the, first, the two main people who vet the plugins are neither of them employed by Automatic, and they're they're volunteers. You know, it's yeah. it's Pippin and, and Mika. Okay. Um, I don't want to get the time from. What I don't, I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, it's just, it's um, to me, it's a situation where you really need two tiers. You need um, if um, a kind of business tier, you know, these are plugins are vetted more, therefore a business website, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the plugin um, producers pay a fee for us to check them over. And then you've got the hobbyist. Um, this, these are not tested. They shouldn't be used on a blah, blah, blah. But maybe I'm deluding myself. Maybe I, I don't know, but it brings up an interesting thought now that, uh, you know, uh, WordPress.com is allowing plugins for the people who are on whichever, you know, paid tier 
it is, uh, you know, clearly um, if they want to, you know, maintain their, their status as, you know, things are going to be secure and smooth yeah. and so on, uh, they're going to have to, yeah. you know, vet things and decide what they're allowing and, uh, and not, or they're going to be really caught up in this. Yeah, it's really a great point, Sally. They are going to have to do something, aren't they? Because um, it ain't going to be great if if their system gets, um, you know, kind of pointed out as as not being secured, not, um, you know, um, it's not going to be great, is it, Sally? No, I, I, I think they, <coughs> if they are not careful, they could, they could rapidly come to, to regret the de- decision that they made about allowing plugins. So, Well, I can only imagine it's going to be like WP Engine or some of the other premier um, WordPress hosting solutions. They will have a, a list of plugins that they will allow or, you know, or, you know, having a blacklist, it's easy to have a whitelist really, isn't it? Well, yes, because you pick a, you pick a handful of things and say these are okay, um, and you know for figuring out whether something is or or, or isn't okay, you know that's a, that's a lot more stuff that you have to check. Um, you know the blacklist on WP Engine is is actually pretty short. It's it's you know plugins that they have already noticed uh, are super resource hogs and and going to mess up your performance and. Um, you know, and basically anything else they actually discover on your site that's doing that that they weren't aware of before. Right. I think we've had a good discussion. I think we're going to go for our break. When we're going to come back, we're going to be discussing WordPress filters, actions, all that talks, all that stuff. Um, what are they? Um, how do developers use them? Um, see what the panel's got to say about the main subject. We'll be back in a few seconds, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back i think we've had a good discussion on some great news stories in the wordpress world community and we're back we're going to be discussing the main topic i'm just going to throw it out does anybody want to open the discussion about the main subject or what uh, well, I, I just looked up for, you know, since we should begin at the beginning, the actual uh, codex entry on hooks. Uh, does, it, does it make any sense? Well, let me read it and we'll see. Um, so it says hooks, actions and filters. Hooks are provided by WordPress and frankly, not just by WordPress. This is a, a, a thing that programming languages do. Uh, to allow your plugin to hook into the rest of WordPress, that is to call functions in your plugin at specific time and thereby set your plugin in motion. There are two kinds of hooks, actions, filters with links. You can sometimes accomplish the same goal with either an action or a filter. For example, if you want your plugin to change the text of a post, you might add an action function to publish post so the post is modified as it is saved to a database or a filter 
function to the content, so the post is modified as it is displayed in the browser screen. All right, so Larry, as our token, I, <clears throat> I know no programming person, did any of that mean anything to you? It, it sort of makes sense to me in the sense that I use Genesis and have, um, and have read their documentation about how to do hooks and filters and stuff and have done that. But I, I, you know, to me, it's just like the, um, you know, like a, a, you know, a monkey in a box copying things is <laughs> kind of the level I feel like I'm at. But it's, but um, I'm curious, I, I'm dying to hear what everybody else has to say about the, the bigger implications of this. Implications of Lee, what would you say, Lee? You know, if somebody is starting um, to become more as a developer, you know, mm. they've learned the basics of HTML, CSS, and they're really getting, what is the importance of, of filters, hooks, and that in the world of WordPress? I'm going to try and, ex I guess I'm going to try and explain it the way I explained it to Larissa, and probably most developers will scream at me um, because there are a lot of cleverer developers than me um, out there. But for w when we've got a hook, we're essentially trying to, You've got a you've got a function. A function will do something. So in WordPress or in a plugin, you've got functions that will do something. And with a hook, you can essentially hook into that, and you can add your own code. You can make something else happen, uh, either at the same time or before something else happens. You can you can even stop some other something happening, as it were, and take someone off a completely different path. There's all sorts you can do with hooks. Whereas a filter is um, essentially there is a function that's responsible for the output, as it were. So something is being output by a function and the, and the filter is more grabbing that value and doing something else with it, grabbing whatever is coming out and doing something else with it, making it look pretty, changing it, making a calculation, whatever that is. So that's the, the difference between the two. The reason why we love them is because that allows us not to have to edit any core code of WordPress or any core code of a plugin that we have installed this essentially allows us to add features to wordpress or add features to a plugin and still allow both the plugin and or wordpress to be automatically updated without everything we've ever done overwritten so back in the day when i first used to install wordpress i used to edit core wordpress to make things happen um, yes, thank you, Sally. I learned within five seconds that you don't do that. Um, and then very We've all done it, Lee. So. <laughs> yeah, well, this, I mean, given this was literally back in version 0.93, all right? So forgive I me. think you would probably would have. I, I did get involved <laughs> to it just before version three, so you're a lot earlier than me. Uh, I remember when WordPress came out. I remember when it forked um, from B2. So that's that's back when I was using it. So uh, yeah, so I, that's what I was doing when I first built sites because that's kind of all I really understood. It was all brand new to me. But yeah, so for a hook, for a hook and filter. So a hook allows you to kind of make other stuff happen, um, and a filter kind of allows you to mess with the output. And they're both brilliant to be used because it allows you not to touch any core code. So you can get a, pl a plugin that does nearly everything and then with a bit of code in a separate file, make something else happen. And look, so, uh, we love it. We, yes. We, now, now I have to, I have to jump in here and be pedantic with, you know, the, the thing I learned in my, you know, intro to PHP course on, on lynda.com. Uh, there are actually both hooks. Actions and filters are both hooks. And, and what the, that means is it, it, a hook is literally, you know, it, in, in, in the real world, a hook is something you hang some, you know, you can hang a thing on. And a hook in programming is, is the same thing. Um, it's, a, it's a place where you can 
attach your own code to the existing code. An action is when you make something new happen. And a filter is when you change something that's already happening. Um, and the more hooks there are, uh, the more flexibility you have as a developer to, uh, to modify things, uh, you know, without directly editing the code. And of course, you know, as anybody who has ever, uh, you know, modified a theme and then had the theme update and overwrite all your modifications knows, uh, it, it's not a good idea to try modifying the, uh, you know, modifying the files. This is why child themes were created. Um, and the more hooks you have, uh, you know, it's, like, you know, it, it, it no doubt takes extra time to write things with hooks in them so you can think about how people can, can modify them. But then once you know where it is that WordPress or where it is that, that a particular plugin um, inserts uh, a, a function, which is just like some code that you write that basically says, do something. You know, if this is the case, do that. Uh, and... <clears throat> um, so if you know, oh, well, this is the hook where they put in, you know, the, the content or the excerpt or the, you know, uh, so you can, you know, filter the excerpt to change the number of uh, characters in the, in the excerpt or to modify uh, what your read more statement looks like. Um, or to change things. And one of the reasons that people use frameworks like Genesis is that they have additional hooks to make it easier for developers to put in uh, a new code. Uh, so if you say, all right, well, I've added these custom fields and I, I want the content of the custom field to go, you know, right before the post title, you know, uh, or right before, you know, this, you can, you can <clears throat> just use the hooks to rearrange them. You can use the hooks to say, oh, well, I want the featured image to show up, you know, before the title instead of after the title. Uh, and the programming language is, is that you use to write these things is relatively you know short, straightforward, and and clear once you once you learn a few things. Um, and uh, what I discovered very recently uh, that I hadn't known is that you can actually use a filter to attach an action. It is as long as there is there a hook of any kind there you you can use it um, to attach an action. Although it's a little tricky, you have to be. <laughs> Unless you are, are willing to completely, um, you know, obliterate whatever the, um, uh, you know, what, whatever the was happening uh, that that filter uh, output, you, you need to, do need to do some extra stuff. But um, it, it's very useful. And I really prefer using hooks for changing, you know, what shows up on a, a WooCommerce page or what shows up on an events calendar page. Uh, if I can, because the way those plugins and some of the others have, have said you can modify their output is, they, okay, we have all these template files. Copy these template files into your theme folder and then modify them however you want, which is great until the plugin updates and there are updates for all their template files and you have to go through and do a diff on all of those and say, oh, okay, so where did they change their code that I need to change my code uh, but still perform? preserve my modifications. And that's just a huge pain in the you know where. Uh, so if, if you are only using hooks and they have not changed the hooks, then 
uh, they can update those templates until the cows come home and your code will still be fine. That's a great yeah, point. That's a, go on, sorry, Lee, go on. No, I was just shouting amen to that. Back in the day, we had the exact same problem with WooCommerce. We were constantly trying to kind of fight the battle of ever-changing templates. So for the last couple of years, we've been using hooks as well. Same with BuddyPress. So we, we never copy template files across anymore. Right. It's a great, it's a, that, folks, that's a great point that um, Sally and Lee have pointed out um and that's another reason i was going to ask john that's another reason why um buying premier plugins because you should get decent documentation as part of buying a premium plugin isn't it john about especially with those kind of plugins that's when using filters and hooks is a good idea isn't it john well absolutely when you're talking about something like a WooCommerce or a BuddyPress or an events calendar or, or, you know, even something like Jetpack, which is kind of freemium. Um, they're going to be well-documented uh, as far as where you can hook into stuff. Uh, something that you might find in the free repo. Maybe there might not be places where you can, you know, hook into stuff uh, so easily, or you might have to figure out if there's even a place and, and where you would do that. Like Sally was saying, you know, actions is basically you're, you're adding something to do at a certain point and, and filtering. You're just taking the output and modifying it. But definitely with the premium plugins, you're going to have uh, a lot more documentation and usually a lot more people that have uh, demonstrated how to do something. So, When do you make the decision um, that you're going to use the, the template hierarchy or when you make the decision you're going to use a hooker filter? Is there, or is it just a case by case, or is there any kind of pattern that you make that decision? It's, well, it's, it's pretty case by case for me because sometimes, uh, you know, you're not making a, a, a lot of changes uh, and sometimes you are. And, and some of it is like, well, how many can, you know, what is going to be more efficient here? Is it going to be more efficient for me to create a template for, say, my custom post type archive and put all of the changes I want to make in there? And then know that, you know, that code is only going to be dealt with when that template is called. Or, you know, am I going to put a bunch of stuff in my functions file or, or my, you know, create a functionality plugin that has to have a ton of conditionals in it so that it only applies the code where it needs to be. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's... Uh, uh, with something like Genesis, when you make a template file, usually all you put in it are the extra functions you need because then at the bottom you put in that little Genesis function and it calls the whole framework and does all the rest of the stuff. Uh, so you're not like rewriting everything. You're, only, you're still only modifying it, but you're putting it in a, in a template file. Um, so, you know, maybe I, you know, want to add something everywhere that could go in a functions file or a functionality uh, plugin. If I say, you know, I want to hook this new, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, banner area for, for announce important announcements on my site in to, you know, every single page uh, <clears throat> or, you know, I just want to make a small change on the, you know, on the, on the blog pages. Uh, or when sometimes you have something that's you're going to do a bunch of different things depending on what 
post-type it is. So, you know, a lot of times it can go either way, but, but usually it's a matter of if I really want all of these changes only to apply on a particular single or, or archive page, I will probably make a template. Uh, <clears throat> but it also depends a little bit on, you know, which work am I, am, am I doing for whom? Uh, and, and where is this? Do I want all of the, you know, do I want all of the functions that have to do with my custom post types to go into the same um, plugin that creates the custom post types so that they're never trying to, to you know, call something that isn't there? Uh, or, you know, am I using, you know, am I using other kinds of, of, of functions? It, it, it's been case by case for me. Somebody else may have a, a, a better method. Well, I think, I think because, you know, um, I think of, of the panel, you're, you're the most specialized, i.e. you're committed to Genesis. I, I don't know, actually, Lee, I think both Lee and John, you're more vanilla, um, you, you know, you will deal with Genesis, but you also will, where I'm not putting word, hopefully not words in your mouth, um, Sally, is that you publicly specialize, that you use the Genesis framework day to day. Um, so I, I've dabbled with Genesis and I've dabbled um, as a, recently I haven't been doing a lot of development. Um, so I won't call myself as a developer now, but I have done themes and a lot of, um, uh, manipulation of commercial themes. Uh, um, Dabala Denwood. Pardon? Dabala Denwood, is that the name? <laughs> I would say I was a Dabala. I think I've got more. You I said more, that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I shouldn't say that because that's not correct. I'm more exactly. than a Dabala, I would say. Um, but um, but on the other hand, Lee, unless you're actively, it's always a problem, isn't it, Lee? Because you. If you've got your own business, you've got to generate leads and you've got to generate interest. But also, if you're not coding almost every day, um, it's quite rapidly, um, I wouldn't say you lose your skill, but it's not something that you're emphasizing. You're emphasizing building the business, isn't it, Lee? Uh, totally. I mean, but to go back to actions and, and hooks itself uh, w when you're coding, um, you can make life a lot easier for you as well. Um, I mean, I know I keep saying actions and hooks. It's actually actions and filters. It's my brain doing a brain fun. Yeah. Um, but let's just say hooks <laughs> to generalize. Um, but uh, putting your own everywhere that you're coding. So even if you're not using um, a framework, uh, and Genesis is freaking incredible. Um, uh, I, I've personally never got on with it because I am a vanilla ice. I like to do things from scratch because yeah. I'm a geek and and we've kind of built up our own framework i guess over time but but we'll we'll declare them anywhere and everywhere that we possibly can to the extreme probably like before the before the header <laughs> or something ridiculous so we've got all these uh, all these different uh, you know all these different actions that we can uh, you know that we can use um where we use them is uh, sally has nailed it you know if you only want one thing to happen on one page or one type of page like a blog post you might as well throw that in the single.php or whatever that is, you know, because it's only going to ever happen once it's pointless calling everything every single time. Um, and then there is also uh, an argument for then having things, um, you know, in a functions file or in a plugin or, or in an include of some sort. Um, go, going to your thing, though, uh, on, on 
on coding and running the business. Um, I'm, I'm having that battle right now because, uh, you know, I've now got a team of developers and I still want to code all the time, but I've got to do sales as well. And that's yeah. a really hard balance. So I, I feel you, man. And, and here's a man hug. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's going to give me a kick after the show, though. Oh, rather, no, no, I didn't mean that. That was a bit of English humour. Um, to uh, wrap up, folks, um, are there any kind of reasons? Because um, I'm amazed. Well, amazed, it wasn't the right word. Sorry, folks. Um, I'm still surprised that at the amount of confusion around this subject, especially um for the not the newbie somebody that's trying to grow their knowledge as a wordpress developer i think that's the right term are there any general resources that explain these concepts and also give um good examples and um just teaching um i'll start with lee is anything come to mind any good resources a, re a really good tool that we use nearly all the time, especially when we're dealing with plugins that we're not as experienced with, uh, would be simply show hooks, which is a plugin you can activate. Uh, and that's going to show you everything. Um, you can switch it on. You can access a page either in the back end or in the front end, and it will show you everything that's going on. So if you want to show something in, say, WooCommerce just before the price, it's more than like there's going to be something there, and it's going to show you it on the plugins, like kind of a little highlighted, it's gonna actually show the actual name that you use, need to use in your code that you can then hook into and show something. Um, so simply show hooks is fantastic plugin. Can you put the link in the um, chat actually, Lee, if you can, and, and then I'll make sure that's, because it sounds great, doesn't it? Um, Sally, any kind of resources, um, online resources that people that, that can learn more about hooks, filters, everything we've discussed? I, I would say just check out basically any intro PHP course uh, oh. and it will explain how actions and filters work and, and you know, run you through practicing some of those. And, you know, the, the WordPress doesn't use them in any particularly strange way. <clears throat> um, right. You know, WordPress adds its own hooks and then plugins and, and themes add a lot of theirs. Uh, Lee has just dropped in a, you know, kind of <coughs> guide to actions and, and filters. And um, so, you know, kind of the, the one of the main uh, differences uh, is that when you're doing something with a filter, you have to tell it what it's modifying. So, you know, it's like you have function name, you know, parentheses. And if it's just a, if it's an action you're adding, you don't usually have anything inside those parentheses. If it's a filter, you have something inside those parentheses which tells you what you're modifying, and then um, you, it, <clears throat> you you use that variable and say, here, in this case, this variable equals this, or this plus this, or this wrapped around that this, or whatever, and then at the very end, return variable, and so it it puts out the <clears throat> puts out the modification there. But yeah, it's kind of like you know, go do a little, go do a little intro stuff for the, uh, for the concept and then just practice uh, and you'll, you know, and you'll, you'll start to see, and there are, you know, you have priorities with filters. So with, with hooks, because several things can, can be added to one hook. And so you may need to adjust your priority. The default is, you know, 10 kind of in the middle, but you know, if you wanted to come earlier, so if you want to be on the same hook as your title, but you want it before the title, you would need to add a priority when you, when you add your action and, and say, you know, I want this hooked in at five or at eight, you know, if you want to come after, you might need to hook it at 12 or 15 and you just, uh, you know, and, and very often you need to kind of, 
you may need to hook something before where it happens to 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 get it show, to to show up. So it, yeah, it you yeah. know I've learned almost everything through trial and error, but I I did find it really worthwhile to finally go through and do yeah, like PHP one hundred and one. It is a uh, mixture. Um, John, any um any kind of um, faults about resources and about how you graphs this and what helped you um, really get a handle on it? Yeah, I mean, so anytime that you're hooking into uh, a plugin, like Sally mentioned, uh, you know, look for the text domain of the plugin. And, the, and then also like the other parameter will be uh, the place where it's hooking in. And then usually like the function that you're like using. So once you kind of grasp that part of it, it it's it gets a little easier. It's saying, um, but like she also mentioned, you might have to match the priority number if it takes that parameter at the end, meaning either 10, 20, or, or whatever number that it is in the original function. So sometimes that takes a little bit of research. Yeah, um, yeah but definitely like uh, Pippin has a good course on yeah. uh, plug-in programming. That's it a good does. place in, in the codex as well. So. Yeah, that's great. Point out, actually, uh, Pippin's got some excellent learning resources. You do have to pay for them, uh, I might uh, add, but they're well worth it. And he's got some good materials. It's a good resource. Thanks for pointing out, John. I think we're going to wrap it up now. Um, I think we've had a good balance of news stories. Larry's been really patient through this part of the show. Uh, I'm going to let Larry um, tell people how people can find out about him and also the dates and the website for Seattle WordCamp. Fire away, Larry. Uh, great. Yeah, so Seattle WordCamp is November 4th and 5th. It's uh, five weeks from tomorrow. And uh, you can just go to seattle.wordpress.org, and that'll redirect you to the, the current site. Uh, you can find me. I'm uh, My uh, content strategy website is lsmedia, E-L-L-E-S-S, media.com. And everywhere else, I'm pretty much, I'm just Larry Swanson at Twitter and Facebook and places like that. And I'd love to connect with you all. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, and we have Larry back when we've got a, a subject that's more in his domain. But he was, uh, he's was he been a champ coming on because he wanted to talk about Seattle. And uh, like I say, I'll be thinking about going myself. Um, Lee, how do people get hold of you? Uh, Lee appears to have vanished. He's gone. He's had enough. Uh, yes, maybe. You'll, ha you, you'll have to <laughs> find to Lee over at angledcrown.com. Yeah. Thank you very much. He, uh, we had enough of my filters and actions stuff. Uh, um, John, how can people get hold of you? You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. How did the, are we down to, to you and Kim now? I'm saying like who's, who's, no, who's Sally's here. Kim's here. I think hopefully, yeah. uh, there we go. Thanks, John. And Sally, how do people get hold of you? You can find me at wpfangirl.com. Uh, and I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. Oh, that's great. And Kim, how can people get hold of you, my beloved co-host? You can find me on Twitter at Kim Schivler or at whitegloveweptraining.com. And get hold of me, folks. It's really easy. You can either Twitter me on my private Twitter feed at Jonathan Denwood or at the Twitter feed for WP Tonic. You can email me at Jonathan at WP hyphen tonic, or you can go to on Facebook. I'm active on all the major social media platforms. It's been a great show, folks. Um, join us for another round table next Friday. We'll have a great panel. We're going to have some great topics, hopefully in October and we'll see you next week. 
See you later, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.